welcome to episode 8 of Mimble Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. I am Prashanthini and I am Aishwarya. We'll be reading and discussing the Harry Potter books over the course of our run. Currently we're reading book 1 Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Today's episode is called Harry Walks Through Fire. We'll be covering the events of chapter 15 The Forbidden Forest and chapter 16 Through the Trapdoor. Let's start with the summary. After losing 50 points each Harry, Hermione and Neville are ostracized not just by Gryffindors but also by Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws who were all hoping that the Slytherin streak of winning the host championship would end that year. Hermione, Harry, Malfoy and Neville go to the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid for their detention. Harry comes face to face with a hooded figure that had been killing unicorns and drinking its blood. He is saved by a centaur, Firenz. who hints that Voldemort is trying to steal the stone. The trio becomes busy with revisions and exams after that. Later, Harry figures out that whoever gave the dragon egg to Hagrid did so to get more information about the three-headed dog. The trio decides to take it to Dumbledore but learns that he went to London. Convinced that Snape would try to steal the stone when Dumbledore was not around, they decide to go stop it themselves. They freeze Neville, fool Peeves, put Fluffy to sleep and go through the trapdoor. Then they face a series of defenses set up by Hogwarts teachers after which Harry walks through fire alone to meet whoever is trying to steal the stone face to face. What a cliffhanger of an ending. Yeah. If it were a serialized story I would understand why there is a cliffhanger but it's not a serialized story. But it was still interesting. I remember when I was reading this the first time the pages were side by side the end of chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17 i literally had to put my hand on chapter 70 to hide whatever is in the beginning so i can like really feel the suspense oh my god i didn't want to look there i usually do that with books if i know that something big is going to be revealed i just hide it with my hand so chapter 15 the forbidden forest we spoke a little bit about this chapter in the previous episode where harry hermione neville and malfoy get into detention and lose 50 points each for their respective houses the chapter begins with this line that says things couldn't have been worse and then later when the detention and the punishment is actually happening harry is like did i say things couldn't be worse yeah it could be worse <laughs> when the story gets revealed to mcgonagall the line says She looked more likely to breathe fire than Norbert as she towered over the three of them. That's really funny. <laughs> I was thinking about what terrible job Filch has because he just has to be around at night trying to catch students breaking rules. Definitely. But I also think that they probably have a lot of magical tripwires so as to speak of in place to catch students. Like we know that in the library in the restricted section when Harry picks out a book the book starts screaming so it sets off an alarm that brings Filch. he doesn't necessarily have to like walk around the castle staying awake looking for students i think that's just something he enjoys doing but when these people are breaking the rules you don't see any signs of there being a trip fire i think the best trip fire would be something that wouldn't alert the person the offender that something that i know i understand it would be the best yeah but i just think that even with the setup i think filch's work is really hard but he is sadistic enough to enjoy it yeah that's that's true when he takes them to detention he's like it's just a pity they let the old punishments die out hang you by your wrists from the ceiling for a few days i've got the chains still in my office keep them well oiled in case they're ever needed so i was like who hurt you and in <laughs> a monologue later harry says something about how filch wouldn't care and that he'd just be happy if a couple of extra students got kicked out of yeah Hogwarts. yeah 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 I, i wonder what his story is maybe he's just a bitter old man maybe he doesn't have a story 
what i found really funny was how griffindor immediately are like we won't talk to harry or hermione or neville i mean harry and hermione have been the ones who consistently got them points and one bout of rule breaking and like losing points they are immediately like you're not our hero anymore it just reminded me that in spite of this great story that jk rowling is telling us it's still happening inside a school and all the middle school drama will still be happening to be fair they did break 150 points but the punishment is actually very similar to any other english middle school drama that i have seen so in in enid blyton's boarding school books whenever the there is a girl who does something which the rest of the class doesn't approve of like she snitched on them to a teacher she goes out of bounds she doesn't help the rest of the class do a particular thing they send her to coventry and don't talk to mm. that person it'll be like they're pretending that she's invisible it was really funny that this punishment is basically harry hermione and neville being sent to coventry yeah. and i was googling what coventry means and apparently it's a city in west midlands previously when the troops would escort prisoners to coventry the towns people didn't like the troops so they'd pretend they didn't exist oh. so it started becoming like a phrase like being sent to coventry so basically being ignored yep <laughs> Yeah, we used to do that in my school too. I've never been a recipient, but I've mostly been the person who rallies the village people to ignore the troops. <laughs> I don't think anything like this ever happened in my school. Maybe you are not the villagers or the troops. Who else can you be? Villagers, but like people who are not aware of what's happening around them. That is possible. So the way Harry and Hermione are treated I really think our theory about Slytherin's hating Malfoy because he keeps losing them points might actually be true. Yeah. From what I understand being a Slytherin means you're cunning and you're ambitious but it also means not doing things in a very obvious manner in which you reveal yourself to be the villain who orchestrated the whole thing. There are no monologues. I think you just make things happen and you might never take credit for it but what you manipulated the outcome to what you wanted to happen. So I'm sure they all hate Malfoy for just like doing things like calling Harry out in front of the whole school <laughs> or getting into trouble or just insulting people in a very mm. obvious ostentatious manner because he brings them a bad rep as you know as bullies but not in a way that they are comfortable with. He's a bully in training. He's just a wanna be bully. <laughs> understandably hermione and harry are having a very bad time they are both kind of used to being the centers of attention and now they are trying to like make themselves invisible and ron is like the only sane person around he's like they'll all forget this in a few weeks fred and george have lost loads of points in all the time they've been here and people still like them ron makes a lot of sense and i really find it strange when ron makes sense Oh, come on. Ron is like definite common sense center. I doubt Ron would have felt the same if he had also been in the position. But I think just by hanging out with Harry and Hermione, he must have received a fair share of criticism himself. Yeah. I also think Ron doesn't feel as guilty about things as Hermione or Harry. So that might have worked out well in his favor. That's true. Yeah, because I... when Harry and Hermione receive the letters for the detention, they are like, oh, we deserve it. <laughs> I know so much so that Harry melodramatically declares that he will never meddle in things again that are not his business. Yeah. Famous last words Harry <laughs> famous last words. You know what I found was really funny. Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws have the nerve to ostracize Harry and Hermione and Neville for losing points and help Slytherins win the house cup again. We should remember the Slytherins also lost 50 points but they're still at the top of the table. and these houses which neither lost points nor gained points were still not able to overtake the yes, slytherins i know they should be ashamed of themselves i know if hermione is winning gryffindor points by knowing things in class isn't that 
Ravenclaw's whole deal. Yeah. Like they're all really smart people who know things. I see you've done a lot of complicated math about the house cow. No. Okay. Okay. There's obviously not enough data to figure out where each house was standing. Mm-hmm. So whatever calculation I've done is really stupid. Okay. I also see that you have Ravenclaw down. It has the least points. No, I'm just assuming that between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Hufflepuffs would have gotten more points because they are so nice and loyal. I just randomly put H&R. Who cares about where they stand? I guess we're also approaching this in a very one-dimensional manner. Like everybody in Ravenclaw is really smart. So why are they not winning points? Smart is different things. You know, they could be smart in a very common sense smart. or But also smart in just smart enough that you know that answering questions in class doesn't actually mean you are smart. That's very true. Maybe they're shy. They could be shy. Or they could just be like, I don't need to display to other people how intelligent I am. I know that I know the answer. But and that's enough. But based on the 11-year-olds we have seen so far, I feel like they would have the urge to display whatever. No. See, being really smart is overcoming those urges also. That's valid. And you could be like really strategic also. So if you never showed anybody how much you know, then it could help you overcome something else later on. That's a very long-term plan though. I think there would be at least one person in Ravenclaw who's thinking like that. Sure. And I was really disappointed by Fred and George because they also stopped speaking to Harry during Quidditch practice. And they call him the Seeker. Yeah. You couldn't think of any other creative <laughs> name to call him. You could have, I mean, they could have totally gone the Malfoy route and called him a bunch of names like <laughs> Points Loser. <laughs> or 50 <Traitor>. Points. <laughs> oh yeah, 50 Traitor. Points is a nice name. Yeah. They could have just called him Slytherin. Or, you know, you could have gone a little bit lamer and then been like Green Eyes or something because he has Green Eyes, Slytherin is Green... Okay, that's very, very lame. I know. I am thankful that they are not doing that. I'm thankful I don't have to insult people like this. <laughs> Obscure insults, what I want. Harry's resolution to not meddle in things almost breaks when he hears Quirrell whimpering inside the classroom. And it sounds a lot like he's given into whatever Snape. Again, I'm doing air quotes here. Snape <laughs> is asking him. Uh, I know, Harry makes a lot of assumptions. Yeah. I mean, he's listening near the door. And he hears Quirrell leave. And he's like, oh, I'm sure Snape left before that. How? You don't have any proof that Snape was inside the classroom with Quirrell. Hermione suggests that they go to Dumbledore about this. And Harry very understandably says that they don't have a lot of proof. And he also says this. It's not exactly a secret. We hate him. Is it not? Yes. Who knows that? I don't know. I thought it was remarkably self-centered of Harry to say that. (laughs) And Ron is like, so Snape now knows to work Quirrell's anti-dark force film. I know. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione gets convinced by Harry's reasoning that, you know, Dumbledore is not going to believe them because they might be making stuff up to get Snape fired. But they do have a lot of pieces that I think could be of use to someone who actually does know about the situation. And that knowing something and not acting actually does make you complicit in the crime. That's there. But as kids, your primary focus is to not get into trouble with the teachers. Why? He's all, they're already in trouble. How could things get worse? They don't want to make it worse. If it becomes worse, they that's all. They'll probably be sent out of the school. They're only trying to help. They're saying these are all the things we know. We have reason to be worried. They could just take it to a teacher. I think as kids, you definitely don't think like that. Even now, sometimes you don't think like that. You're like, why does it matter? It's not my thing. The things that I choose not to meddle in are like office stuff. Yeah. But and if it were actually like leading to harm of a human being... I would like to think that I'd go do something about it. 
That's also there. In that case, they're very valid in saying that maybe the teachers will think that Harry and his friends made it up because he doesn't like Snape. They would investigate and find out if it's true or not, right? But later on, we see that the teachers don't seem to be really caring about what students have to say. Something you have to say is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter. We'll get and to that when that happens. So at this point in the illustrated edition, there's a Minerva McGonagall portrait where she looks really severe and rather old and absolutely nothing like Dame Maggie Smith who plays her in the movies. Mm. So I was kind of disappointed by it because Dame Maggie Smith is my yeah, McGonagall. Definitely. Every time I see McGonagall on a page, she's the one I immediately remember, especially from the first movie. Yeah. I'm both listening to Stephen Fry's audiobook version and also reading Bloomsbury edition of Harry Potter. So as this chapter moves on, we see that a lot of events are happening and most of the time when J.K. Rowling is like skipping through time, she uses ellipses at the end of paragraphs. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that are supposed to happen after this, but to give you a condensed version, I'm moving forward to times that are important to you. I get it. Like when they're studying and Harry's talking about how he has to learn dates and mm-hmm. know portion ingredients and stuff like that. There's like ellipses in the end to indicate that they were studying and it went on for a long time. So let us skip ahead to the interesting parts. Yeah, it went on for many days. Yeah. I hate it when she does that. I know. In later books, I feel like she doesn't do that because she actually fills those spaces with information that, that may be important to plot, but we find really entertaining. So in the initial few books, she, when she does this, I know that there are things that might have happened that she's not <laughs> telling us. I would have just liked to read more about times that are not relevant to plot but are just like everyday things about the school yeah i mean i was very interested in knowing that harry learns magical history in pretty much the same manner in which we learn history not which even. is mugging dates <laughs> when you have dates you have to mug them like you said it's not something that actually moves the plot but those are things i remember very fondly of the books yeah i don't know why harry is suddenly hating on history of magic he's like one hour of answering questions about batty old wizards who'd invented self-stirring cauldrons and they'd be free. And also, is that the biggest achievement of the wizarding community? Inventing self-stirring potions? I think it's incredible. What? Yeah. Self-stirring cauldron. Imagine, you know, you have to basically just stand there and stir for a long time and then somebody invents something that does the stirring for you. But they are magical. It must have been the iPhone of the (laughs) magical world. I don't think it's as important as fire Mm -hmm. or wheel (laughs) or iPhone. (laughs) I think it's just very, very lame. It's like inventing... It's like removing the bezel from the iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're magical people. Mm -hmm. They don't need a cauldron to be magical. They should be magical. Yeah. So they should know how to make the ladle go round and round. No, it's not about making the ladle go round and round. It's that it's it's physical motion where you just stand there and do something. So they found a way to make it easier on them. I read something interesting the other day. It was actually fan fiction, which gave me this idea where they talk about when does a potion become a potion, right? Like, so you take a bunch of ingredients and you like put them together. So when does it like stop being just a bunch of ingredients and become what you want them to become mm-hmm. and stuff? So in the fan fiction itself, they theorize that it's when you're stirring. So when you're stirring, you imbue it with magic unconsciously sometimes. So that it transforms from a set of ingredients and becomes a potion. So the whole thing will come come about because uh, Hermione will be trying to solve something where some muggle-born wizards won't be able to create good potions. In the fan fiction. In the fan fiction itself. Mm -hmm. They won't be able to create good potions. So she'll be trying to figure out why it's specific to muggle-borns and why wizards don't have the same problems and so It's very interesting. I thought it was a very interesting theory, right? So that means the stirring could actually be very important motion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Potentially. The 
let's talk about the detention <laughs> first of all detention at 11 o'clock at night these yeah. are 11 year olds yeah. do you remember your bedtime for when you were 11 i think 10 yeah sure. i think mine was like 9:30 10 harry talks about how hermione might complain that they are missing a whole night of revision, revision. a whole night of revision <laughs> when do these 11 year olds sleep? sleep yeah i know and why are they studying so much i it's because they don't have any exams through the year they have only one exam at the end of the year oh. so they have to remember everything that they have studied through the year so, i mean we had a system where we obviously did every quarter right mm. annual exams were like okay you know they no, they're not necessarily always things that you read through the year mm. they're things that you read in that last quarter <laughs> and some things from before but mostly things from that quarter last quarter okay that makes sense but yeah never go to the forbidden forest except for when it's detention and when there is a very dangerous creature around that's killing unicorns I and know. drinking its blood i know until <laughs> that happens you should never go into the forbidden forest <laughs> strange double standard but then i i just attributed it to the wizarding community being so chaotic and crazy oh i attributed it to plot device <laughs> so my friend who was listening to the podcast mm-hmm. we were talking about chaos mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and she was listening to the podcast and she's like it's kind of like india And that makes perfect sense for it me. It does make perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> you don't know where processes are. You don't know where bureaucracy kicks in. You don't know where there is no bureaucracy at all. It's kind of crazy. And maybe that's the appeal. Maybe. Yeah. But not to anyone who's actually in the system, I think. Sometimes it's comforting knowing exactly how things are supposed to happen. That's it. So this is the first time that we see that Hagrid is interacting with Harry and Hermione after the whole incident with the dragon. And I felt really bad that Hagrid is not even apologizing for the trouble he's put them through. Yeah, he doesn't even apologize. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't feel guilty. He could have taken the dragon to, to the astronomy sort of tower, tower and saved them all this headache. They face a really serious consequence because of that. And I don't think Hagrid understands that it's because of him. Yeah. I mean if even if he had gone to McGonagall and said hey listen they really did have a dragon and they were trying to help me out I think McGonagall would have looked on it more kindly than she did but the problem is Hagrid I think he was not the one taking the dragon mm-hmm. because he can get caught and go to jail oh whereas these guys can only get attention or get expelled they're yeah. underage wizards he, I I think he didn't think about it I don't think he thought about it either yeah. the least he could have done is apologized Yeah as this chapter moves on and uh, we get to the part where they go through the trap door and everything Harry behaves in a way that Hagrid should have behaved in mm-hmm. when he's like oh, I I will take this for the team you guys save yourselves or I will go forward you have to stay here and help him he understands the danger he's putting people through and he gives them some common sense ideas he gives them an out yeah at every step of the way whereas Hagrid repeatedly puts them in danger without feeling bad for it or even feeling like guilty for it in the beginning when we when we started this podcast you said you don't like hagrid that much and mm-hmm. i was like why he's such a <laughs> lovable character but to me he's a very interesting character but this character flaw is something that i'm just seeing you can love someone without liking them <laughs> what yeah you can love hagrid and still not like him as a character <laughs> I think But that you that love explains negative characters that's what you mean right yeah sometimes no i yeah i might not necessarily always agree with their motivation or i might not even like some of the things they do but i love the complexity they bring to the yeah. table so yeah when hagrid talks about the detention itself and he talks about how uh, there's a unicorn hurt in the forest and it's mm. it's been splashing blood everywhere and he found another it's the second unicorn that's been hurt in that particular week itself there is a beautiful picture of the forest with the silver unicorn and its body is basically fully light so there's like an outline of the unicorn and it's 
all white in this particular set of chapters there are a lot of illustrations oh. almost as though jim k had a contract for certain number of pictures it was too sparing in the beginning and then realized <laughs> should i have finished all of these things but then the forest is a great thing to illustrate all of the events of this particular chapter are great things to illustrate and he takes total advantage uh, when hagrid says that a unicorn is hurt and things like this never happened to a unicorn and it cannot be a werewolf it should be something that's faster than a werewolf I was really disappointed that he is still willing to take kids to go investigate this. I know, right? A, they're very casual about werewolves in the forest. And it's not like there are two adults. There is an adult and a dog. And a very cowardly dog. Yeah, the dog actually runs away during this chapter when it sees something scary. Why are they so irresponsible? <laughs> Because Hagrid is someone who is probably in the forest a lot. He believes that he knows any creature that can harm them and he knows where he is taking them and stuff like that. But when you see something that has never happened before, I feel like you should take more caution. I know and I also think Hagrid is very cavalier about the things he does know as well. When he talks about Norbert, he's always like, oh, he's just a baby and stuff like yeah. that. But you can see that Norbert is dangerous. Yeah, that's true. And poor Neville, he has to go do something that's so dangerous with his bully and a dog. I know. what did he do to deserve this so then they split into two parties hagrid hermione and harry head off together neville malfoy and fang head off together as they are walking hagrid tells them more details about uh, the unicorn and how it's hurt and all that as they walk they hear a sinister noise but as they wait the noise is replaced by another noise and they come face to face with a centaur hermione and harry are like so shocked because they probably never realized that something like this existed in the first place <laughs> and existed so close to their school yeah i know centaurs yeah. the only centaurs i've read of besides like the harry potter centaurs uh, from greek mythology chiron mostly uh, i was trying to think of it this morning uh, trying to figure out if i read centaurs anywhere else and i they figure in the chronicles of narnia movies mm. though they're not very prominent in them whereas mm. chiron is basically like he is the yoda of greek mythology he has tutored all of the popular heroes perseus mm. theseus hercules anyone you can think of Heron has been there being their master. Oh, okay. So, I was flipping through Fantastic Beasts and where to find them because it has information about centaurs. So, some of the things that stood out were uh, centaurs originated in Greece, even in the Harry Potter world. And um, they like to keep to themselves. They don't want to be associated with muggles or wizards. So, Ministry of Magic has this classification of magical creatures, including humans and wizards and all, everything. So, they classify them into beings and beasts. Initially they thought beings were everything that walked with two feet and that ended in a lot of chaos because trolls showed up <laughs> to the meeting and then they decided that maybe beings are things that can understand human language or can communicate what they want so in that meeting goblins taught trolls some words from human language and brought them so that was immediately broken up too and then later they figured out that any creature that has certain number of intelligence enough to understand the rules and regulations of the magical society can be classified into beings so and that is the story of how they managed to keep the trolls out of the beings yeah group <laughs> yeah and then they centaurs immediately fell in the beings group so did the mer people i was just going to say that it seems unfair to the mer people that uh, the two like get rule especially uh, yeah yeah exactly but the centaurs did not want to club themselves into that category because that category also had vampires and hags they told the ministry to classify them as beasts mm-hmm. anyway they are going to take care of their own rules they don't want wizards interfering in their lives they are very good with magical healing divination astronomy and archery they know things that wizards do not even know 
there is this department and ministry centaur's liaison department obviously no centaur ever goes there it has become a running joke if you get sent to centaur's liaison office it means you're getting fired <laughs> that's really fun yeah that book is actually really fun because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be harry potter's copy of fantasy fantasy ways so harry ron and hermione keep scribbling on the books it's a really fun story mm-hmm. i really like the centaurs especially in this particular chapter because i feel like they're basically the show stealers here the minute yeah. they come on screen that's it like i'm very uninterested in the unicorn <laughs> hagrid makes the greatest introduction of all times and this is ronan you two he's a centaur hermione's like yeah we figured yeah When he tells Ronan these are students at the school, Ronan says, oh, students, do you learn much at the school? And he immediately asks like very discerning, deep questions. And Hermione answers in, I think, a very wise manner. She says, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and Ronan is supposed to have this deep, sorrowful voice. Mm. And Stephen Fry has done a very good job with her voice. He's like, good evening to you, Hagrid. Were you going to shoot me? I like the way they refer to Hogwarts as school up there because... it immediately gives you the feeling that hogwarts is not the whole world yes. for for the magical community or for these people in fact we thought of the forest as something that belongs to hogwarts but it could be the other way around yes the forest had been there the whole time and, and school hogwarts is just is, yeah. also happens to be there nearby yeah there's just so much depth in the few words that the centaurs speak it makes me really curious about their past the way ronan interacts with uh, hagrid or the way the centaurs interact with each other i'm very curious to know what went on what was the history what what happened between wizards and centaurs why are they so sensitive about certain things why are they so non interfering about certain others me too and ronan says what is one of my top 5 favorite lines from the harry potter series mars is bright tonight I think of this particular line a lot especially you know when you go and ask advice from some people and they give you something that's totally tangential and completely useless I immediately think of this line like Mars is brighter now like yep same feeling <laughs> Hagrid gets more and more impatient when uh, uh, Ronan and Bane later on repeats that line right yes for someone who can see so deep into the future mm-hmm. any question that Hagrid's asking right now about the things that are, that are happening right now will seem trivial and the answer to that is mars is bright tonight like something's about to happen mars is uh, the sig- god of war the god of war from their point of view i don't think they are trying to be intentionally obscure i think they are just answering his question i think they actually trying to be intentionally obscure based on the conversation they have later on in this chapter itself remember firenze we are sworn not to set ourselves against the heavens have we not read what is to come in the movements of the planets like you said the centaurs wanted to be classified as beasts because they didn't want wizard kind Interfering. be interfering in their matters and they don't want to interfere in anyone else's matters either so obviously they know they are like we know what's going to happen but it's not our job to tell anyone it's not yeah. our job to make things happen i wonder what they think their actual job is because if you have a superpower like this that you can see the future it's not a superpower they're reading the signs yeah okay if you can read the signs why read the sign if you're not going to do anything about it just to know but i really like that the centaur we meet later ferens stands up to them and he's like i set myself against what is lurking in this forest bane yes with humans alongside me if i must and i like the way he phrases it also he says i am against what is in this forest and if that involves siding with the humans that's fine with me yeah exactly so he doesn't say that you know i'm siding with the humans he says i'm just siding against the bad thing yeah and that's exactly what they don't do if there's a book for ferens i would really like to read it because he is the one person who goes against the grain of what centaurs are i agree 
coming back to the point where uh, Hagrid is still talking to Ronan, Ronan as Ronan keeps repeating Mars is bright tonight Hagrid's like do you see anything unusual and he's like Mars is unusually bright tonight yes <laughs> anything closer to home <laughs> I just loved it yeah I know <laughs> Ronan also says something really profound always the innocent to the first victims Hagrid is just not able to look underneath the underneath to what they're yeah, trying actually, to tell yeah. them I don't know why Hagrid is not connecting what's happening here to what's happening to the school. It's very dense. He's just not concerned yeah. enough. I think the teachers were also not concerned enough because the stone was actually moved from Gringotts because someone's trying to steal it. And when you're very flippant about what you hear from students about the stone, what does it mean? Does it mean that you know something that or they may- don't? Or, or yeah, I think they also bank a lot on Hogwarts's defenses that they're not willing to see that they can be overcome and they are repeatedly overcome in the series. Anyway, Hagrid sees this unicorn thing only as someone's holding the unicorn. It's just the centaurs know that drinking unicorn blood yes. can give you life even when you're like at the brink of death. And I, that's very significant information that Hagrid doesn't know. I think it's also uh, your point about Hagrid being overcome by concern for a magical for creature yeah. that has blinded him to the larger yeah, consequence the larger, of it the group has to split because malfoy and neville get into a malfoy no. tries to scare neville and don't you think it's hilarious that uh, hagrid says nothing will attack the students as long as they're with him or fang yeah. then he promptly runs away and leaves harry and hermione in the forest <laughs> to save neville and malfoy i think he just banks a lot on harry's abilities because he's 11 year old yeah but maybe he sees his father or something i'm not sure he also says that malfoy will have a harder time scaring harry i just think that he thinks harry can take care of himself maybe he can but he's still a 11 year old boy yeah you should remember that he also defeated voldemort as a baby yeah as a baby he defeated voldemort as a 11 year old boy he can do so much more then hagrid is just looking at him as harry potter the chosen one yeah maybe he's the savior he of the visiting world rather than harry potter the 11 year old boy who's learning magic and lived with muggles all his life i think he does look at harry potter that way mm-hmm. he gives harry more credit than harry gives himself and i think more credit than harry deserves to have at this point also <laughs> yeah Hagrid reorganizes the groups and sets them off separately. Mm-hmm. Nothing much happens for about an hour afterwards I think until Harry and Malfoy and Fang come across the dead unicorn in the forest. Yeah. And then there's this hooded stranger who's like drinking the unicorn blood and then Malfoy screams and Fang screams and both of them run away. And I Harry's know it's not meant scar- to be funny but it was still funny yeah, when I read it. <laughs> Harry's scar starts hurting. It's like a blinding hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody sent up sparks but someone arrives to save the day anyway. Yeah. Hagrid says that uh, centaurs keep to themselves but they're always good at turning up when he wants a word, right? Mm. Why couldn't he just ask them for help? I'm sure they would be invested in trying to figure out who's he killing unicorns. Them. He says, have you seen anything unusual? I think he that's what he meant. If he said something is killing unicorns, can you help me find it? I think the centaurs might have at least tried <laughs> because it's not something that's affecting wizard kind, it's affecting a place where they reside as well. Mm. So Fidens word contains fire in it every single time I've seen his name written down I've thought of this one particular pokemon called mm. Rapidash it's a horse but its mane is basically fire oh okay yeah. so every time I used to see like Fidens written down I'd be like Rapidash in my head like I don't associate Fidens with fire at all I associate him with something cold like water no like ice mm. I don't know why it's because it's very logical could be Because obviously Bane is 
hot headed and he does what needs to be done mm. i think so even though he's very you know he's not very okay with the idea of being as what bain refers to him as a common mule yeah i think but he still lets harry get on him and still takes harry mm. to deliver him to safety because he realizes that that's the greater good situation yeah, yeah. he has to save harry and i like that he identifies him immediately you were the potter boy you had better get back to hagrid the forest is not safe at this time especially for you something that both ronan and bane could have said yeah that they choose not to say because hagrid actually says this is harry potter and hermione granger ronan had no excuse yeah firenze is the only person who's associating his long term visions with what's happening in the ground right now mm-hmm. i think firenze arrives and he just like helps harry connect the dot properly he's like okay this is what unicorn blood does who do you think will need it only a person who has nothing to lose will drink the blood to lead a cursed life and harry promptly asks him if you're going to be cursed forever death's better isn't it and we kind of understand the main difference between harry and voldemort at this point yeah he's very appalled by the idea of immortality when the price you have to pay is so much yeah. though we are not very sure about the price because they just say that you'll have a curse like i don't know what kind of life that would be maybe a painful unpleasant death maybe you have to live the rest of your life in strife but unicorn's blood doesn't give you immortality you still need the elixir of life it's just that it'll help you survive v- survive so firenze brings harry back to hagrid but he also has that fascinating conversation with ron and bane which i think we've covered Yeah yeah I like that it was so deep in so few words it's like a disney movie within the forbidden forest what yeah, because there are like, centaurs no bane there's no disney movie with a centaur in it no no bane is like okay, honor's okay, father he's explicitly telling him not to do something <laughs> but yeah so i what firenze is moana singing how far i'll go yeah okay <laughs> i wonder what the planets actually said though was it about that particular day when harry met voldemort No, I think the planets Or might have. Is the long term? I think it's a long term series of events. I think what they would have probably seen is that well, Mars is bright, mm. which means war is coming, and they might have seen a hint of the outcome. Harry believes that they saw that Harry died. Yes, and Harry also believes that Bane saw Voldemort coming back. I can understand why Harry thinks that because Firenze actually says the planets have been read wrongly before now, even by centaurs. I hope this is one of those times. I like to think that Firenze because of his efforts actually made some difference in what all the centaurs saw as the definite future. Yeah. Harry comes back and tells Hermione and Ron all about what happened in the forest. All their suspicions are now confirmed. They know that Voldemort is after the stone and they think that Snape is the one who's helping Voldemort. and then he goes back to sleep with so many things in his head and he realizes that the invisibility cloak is back there's just a note that says just in case somebody's interfering <laughs> yeah somebody's interfering somebody's interfering max <laughs> so then we move on to chapter 16 through the chapter in the beginning of this chapter they sit for their exams the description reads they had been given special new quills for the exams which had been bewitched with an anti cheating spell Mm-hmm. and i felt like jk rowling is like preemptively answering smart asses like us yeah. asking questions like what if they used magic to cheat yes <laughs> i found it really funny that one of the practical exam involved making pineapple tap dance i know that sounds really fun also i mean don't you have to know dance to make a pineapple dance i have actually a very good question 
when you are forcing something to perform an action is it by or definition of the word itself if i did not tap dance hmm. i would think tap dancing is one thing but yeah. if you are a tap dancer you would know it as something else and if i cast when we we both cast the spell <laughs> what would happen with our pineapples <laughs> i would be very interested in knowing yeah <laughs> yeah and i love that one of the exams is uh, they should remember how to make a forgetfulness potion yeah and snape is breathing down lyrics he's trying to make them nervous on purpose yes <laughs> i like that when they're uh, at the lake hermione is trying to go through her exam paper i am just like ron i don't like going through my paper as well <laughs> harry is feeling restless and uneasy and he thinks he forgot to do something mm-hmm. and that's when hermione brings up just think about how she forgot something i mean she <laughs> woke up in the middle of the night and was revising her transfiguration notes before she realized that they had done yeah. that examination or yeah but then harry realizes that that cannot be what he's fretting about yeah and i hate what ron says about neville that he'll sooner play quidditch for england than hagrid would betray dumbledore how cruel you remember what happened the first yeah, time still, neville tried to climb on a broomstick <laughs> anyway it turns out to be true hagrid does let down dumbledore yeah not intentionally but it does happen harry immediately makes a connection he's like don't you think it's a bit odd that what hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon and a stranger turns up who just happens to have an egg in his pocket i was so glad that finally someone questioned the dragon egg plot itself because it's a giant like chekhov's gun waiting to go off <laughs> there's no other reason for the dragon to even be in this story and i cannot believe that harry didn't question this earlier when no, hagrid that's... says i i wanted in a, over a game of cards and then ron tells him that it's like illegal shouldn't their first question be like why how no i think their first uh... isn't it convenient I don't think this is something you immediately would be very suspicious about. When these three go to Hagrid and talk to him about it, he's like, "That's nah, not that unusual. You get a lot of funny folk in the Hogshead. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he?" Mm-hmm. So dragon dealers are a thing. When he narrates what happens in the pub, it feels like in the pub he reveals that he wants a dragon and the person who wanted information from him magically produced the dragon. The dragon egg, yeah. Which was just like really advanced magic right? yes that's what hagrid thinks it happened like but i think that the person who wants the information would already have had a hint mm. and is just leading him to where he wants it to oh. go i would really like to learn that art like you really want something from someone and you know what they want but you shouldn't be very obvious about it should trick them into getting you to give them what you want sister very interesting art that i would like to learn yeah i completely agree Hagrid is horrified that he revealed this information about how to calm Fluffy to these three but he still doesn't realize that he revealed this information to some random stranger with the dragon's egg yeah more irresponsible behavior by Hagrid so these guys immediately panic and run to find Dumbledore and then that's when they realize what i think should have come up earlier nobody knows where Dumbledore's office is mm. he's the headmaster but no one knows where the office is or where yeah. he lives so they come across McGonagall So McGonagall does not listen to them initially but I also think they do a very poor job of explaining things to McGonagall also first they are like we're looking for Dumbledore and then she says Dumbledore is not here and she asks them why which is a valid question she's a teacher she's the head of their house asking them why do you want to talk to the headmaster it sounds like they're escalating against her <laughs> right so obviously she's trying to ask them questions about what they want to do and they do a very very bad job of telling her what's at danger and then Harry just decides to like blurt it out look said harry throwing caution to the winds professor it's about the philosopher's stone i think if they just come clean and said everything that have happened 
McGonagall might have taken it a little bit more seriously than she does. I think the onus is on McGonagall here. She should have been like, how do you know this information? Yes. She should have asked that as well. But they were seriously behaving in a very shady manner. But I think if McGonagall had entertained what they were saying and asked more questions, I think they would have come clean. But she was keen on shutting them up. Yes. I think that maybe she just knows something about this that she doesn't want to reveal. I love that after this incident, Snape shows up just to underscore his badness. Like, <laughs> I am the villain. Reminder. No, no, these three are worrying about some really serious stuff and he's like... Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can they? Yes. Initially, I thought it was silly, but maybe he was trying to warn them to not go after it. Maybe he was. When they're in the common room discussing about how it's going to be tonight and Harry launches into this whole consequences monologue, he's like, I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He's finally articulating why he's very obsessive over this thing. No, I get that. I And I would understand if his whole motivations were only about, you know, he killed my parents. But he doesn't phrase it as a revenge kind of scenario either. He's like, he killed my parents. He's a bad guy. When he comes back, things are going to be bad. So I'm going to do this so because I, I don't that, want bad things to happen. That's the sign of a hero, right? Yeah. You do it's it a, because it's a it's hero bad. moment yeah. for Harry. Like, it's actually punctured by Ron saying, But will it cover all three of us? <laughs> it's my favorite Ron moment, Ron and Hermione moment, actually. Yeah. Because... We see later on also in the series, every time Harry becomes really worked up over something and he's delivering this lecture on why he should do something. Heroism. Yeah, yeah. He tries to like become heroic, but these two are like, calm down. We are very supportive of you. And he immediately shuts up when he hears that. I just love whenever this happens. (laughs) The three of them decide to go through the trapdoor that night. And I also love that Hermione says... How do you think you're going to go through this yes. without me? What? Because in all of their previous incidents where something has happened, except for in the Forbidden Forest, Hermione has actually been very integral to their escape. Yeah. They decide to leave, but they are stopped by Neville. Neville, again, doesn't want them to be losing points for the house. And he stands up to them. This chapter has a lot of bravery displayed by yeah. all three. I mean, Harry, Ron and Hermione. But Neville is actually the bravest of them all because... <laughs> He's standing up to his friends. When, In fact, when he says that, uh, you know, you told me to stand up to people and Ron says, well, I meant to Malfoy. <laughs> and I think it's an extremely brave moment of, for, of him to go against the only people who've been nice to him. When he says that he'll fight them, the description reads, Ron exploded. <laughs> and I loved it because that's like a very appropriate reaction. Yes. And they keep mm. apologizing to him even as they like perform a spell on him and leave him there. Yeah. So before we get into the next set of events, which are really exciting, let's take a break for our Harry Potter stories segment. This time we have a story from our friend and podcast listener, Samyukta Dega. Here we go. Hi, my name is Samyukta and the Potter series was a very special part of my childhood. I'm thankful to the Nimble Nimble podcast as it allows me to revisit the Potter series without rereading all the books. It's been making my commute a lot more fun and magical, so thank you for that, guys. After listening to the last episode, I was wondering, how did I start reading the Potter series? And it takes me back to a time when I was 12. Um, I was very interested in being different. I didn't want to read what everybody was reading. I didn't want to have the same opinion. So I certainly kept away from all the Potter hype that was there at that time. And... Um, something about a boy who did magic sounded very stupid. So 
I had no interest in in even checking out what the books were about. Uh, but I guess uh, the Potter magic found a way to find me. So I remember coming back from school one day and I found a plastic bag with a few books. Uh, my dad had bought a few books for a friend who was running a children's library at that time. And I picked up a book and it was the first book of the Potter series, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And the cover art got me really curious and interested. Uh, I was really surprised that the wizard or the boy was someone so normal and relatable and not someone from some other world. And I started wondering, like, why did he have a scar? Why was he holding an owl? Why was he in a railway station that had a stranger name? So I was um, curious and I started reading a few pages and... And I think it's no surprise that I ended up reading the entire book in one sitting. And at the end of the book, I was so in love with this magical world that I was introduced to that these new books had to be mine. And I ended up stealing some books that was meant for a children's library. So I'm really sorry about that. Sorry, kids. And then um, after that, there's been no looking back. I read a book a year and um, I think... It gave me like a magical world to escape to and um, like I said when I started I it's very special to me and I want to keep it that way for as long as possible and revisit it only with Mimble Mimble. I'm starting to notice a pattern not just in the people that we bring but also the stories that they're telling. Everybody says that you know they initially were put off by the series because it was popular and then they like got sucked into it. Yeah. A little bit and now they're fans. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you want to share your Harry Potter story with us, please share your stories with us by emailing the recording of your story to mimblewimblepodcast at gmail.com. So now, back to the book. Harry, Hermione and Ron are out of the common room. They're walking towards the Look forbidden corridor. corridor. They run into Peeves. Harry has the stroke of genius and he pretends to be bloody barren. And I love that Peeves says, your bloodiness, Mr. Yes. Barren. <laughs> And then they run into Mrs. Norris and Ron's like, can we please, please kick her? her. Yes. <laughs> and Harry's like, no, we have a mission. And they keep going on towards the third floor corridor where Harry serenades Fluffy with his, with his flute. And they note that there is a harp there. Clearly someone already went past the dog. Mm-hmm. So they decide that that is the right course and they should follow it. And Harry decides to jump through the trapdoor first, not knowing where it will lead to or whether there's a safe landing or anything. And uh, once he jumps, he lands on this... Something soft. S- something soft, very plant-like and that cushions the jump. So Ron follows and then Hermione follows. And Ron's like, we are lucky this plant thing is here. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Hermione actually goes into pieces a little bit. Mm. Where she's like, this is the devil's snare. I've read about it. And Ron's like, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a <laughs> great help. <laughs> yeah, because the devil's snare basically starts binding them. Hermione thankfully escapes before it can like bind her properly but Harry and Ron did not realize that it was doing that so they are slowly getting constricted by the plant. When Hermione says that sunlight will help them, warmth relaxes the plant and Harry says so light a fire and Hermione's like but there's no wood yeah. and Ron's like are you a witch or not? <laughs> yeah. Though it's a really funny exchange, I really think Ron should change his attitude. I agree. She's literally trying to help them. Yes I know and it's a tough situation. 
so once they are they get through the first task actually they get through the second task after the, after fluffy and then they move on to flitwick's task brooms and keys brooms and keys yeah <laughs> they have to find the key of the door also what does this have to do with charms again you charm the keys flitwick charmed the keys yeah harry did yeah harry is just like really good at quidditch maybe maybe it was not charms at all maybe it was madam hooch who said that task maybe then what if let me do keys keys yeah it was a collaborative effort <laughs> but it's just so okay i know that it's so convenient and yeah i know each task matches him. a strength that one of the characters had what strengths does harry have beyond giving heroic speeches he can fly he's a seeker <laughs> so brooms if the charms task or the chess task had not been there everything would have been about hermione yeah so i think those two are there just to show that these two are useful too and if harry hadn't been there and the charms task had been there i think hermione and ron would have figured it out yeah yeah but neither harry nor hermione are good at chess which means they might not have been able to cross through the chess mm-hmm. task So Ron okay. is actually very integral. Hermione mm. is also very integral because the logic puzzle 100% certain Harry and Ron would not have made it past it. Yeah, Harry is like so we are going to die here. Yes. So at this point Harry is the hero but he needs his sidekicks. I know that all the tasks are designed to suit the skill set of these three. but that doesn't stop me from enjoying them. Yeah. I just love the No, of tasks. course not. I love task based quests. Uh, my favorite Indiana Jones movie is The Last Crusade. At the end of The Last Crusade, he has to decipher a set of clues that lead him from task to task. Not just tasks, but these particular set of things are, are really impressive. Especially the giant chessmen. It's a very impressive imagery. And yeah, I know. And, and I think the movie also shows the giant chess scene very, very, very well. well. Yeah. And also, chess scene is very important because it's very good looking. Yes, that so also. So, they, they are not likely to cut it off in the movie. I know. I mean, it's better than Hermione looking at a bunch of bottles and being like, this bottle, this bottle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a puzzle. And a puzzle, <laughs> yeah. So, when they figure out that they have to play to get through to the next part of the mm-hmm. journey, Harry and Hermione are like, we are done. And Ron's <laughs> like, no, I am there. I'll save the day. And uh, the way he says... As for me, I'll be a knight. I just remember his face from the movie. He's so smug when he yes. says it. I think it's also a very pivotal moment for Ron being a part of such a large family. I'm sure he would have always been like the constellation prize who could also do stuff. <laughs> But here he is actually of importance. He is the only person who can get them across there. I wonder where he learned to play, to chess. play chess. He says he hits his grandfather's chess set, right? Maybe uncle. he learned to play with his grandfather. I thought it was really interesting that Ron did not take the place of a queen. Instead, he became a knight. He became a knight, which is understandable because knights are very important. But he made uh, the other two take places of a bishop and a rook, which was really interesting. Why you not take the most powerful position? Because it also was most targeted. Harry also talks about it's a very loose description of the chess game itself. No, there's no description of yeah. the chess game. Harry just talks about how Ron like darts around the board taking as many white Figure. figures down as the queen does. So it's like Ron is the knight but behaving like the queen. Ron decides to sacrifice himself to win the game and uh, the thing is they don't know what the sacrifice entails. Does it just mean that he'll get knocked out or will he die? And if he if this moon actually killed Ron, mm. were Harry and Hermione prepared to face it? No. If a stone figure is hitting you, yeah, it's I highly know. possible that you die. Yeah, I know. They never discuss it in the, yeah. 
Yeah, and and Ron seems to be prepared for death. Was Harry's speech so inspirational? Yes, that Ron was ready to die for the stone. Yeah, I love the way the game ends. In the book, it's just the White King throwing his crown at their feet, which is so stupid. I think whoever decided to swap that with the sword of that king falling, falling on down. the floor. It's very dramatic yeah, moment. Yeah, I think that, that person really deserves an award. That's a good imagination because the music and. the thing clanging on yeah. the floor everything is so it's, impressive yeah it's very dramatically done checkmate you know any other author would have just made harmony the chess wizard i think she gets that it's not always intelligence that helps yes. you with chess yeah it's it's, it's book no i mean book intelligence versus common sense sometimes it's not even common sense it's like more long term strategy and practice yes let's talk about quirrell's test being a troll <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a defense against the dark arts teacher is quirrell yeah. i feel like the minute he said this test dumbledore should have fired him <laughs> <laughs> and then when they move on to the next task which is with potions and which snape had set up harry is stumped by the puzzle he kind of thinks that they'll never get out of that place alive because as soon as they go into the room both doors are blocked by fire i know that rowling is telling this to us that mm-hmm. logic is important because even the greatest wizards might fail but the way hermione says it at this point mm-hmm. feels very boastful and unnecessary oh it's not like they are in a competition she doesn't have to tell harry hey we will win this because this other person cannot probably solve this you know that the other person actually went through it because yes, there's no one there there yeah so when she says that it feels unnecessary i thought of it her as just her commenting on the trials itself like she was like of course there has to be a logical thing like you said you need to be a well rounded wizard to get through all of them mm-hmm. like you need to know things you need to be agile i guess with the broom mm-hmm. and then you need to take down a troll you need to be strategic you need to be logical you mm-hmm. need to be a completely rounded wizard i was wondering why though why take the stone away from a heavily guarded place like like gringotts, gringotts so harry it? even theorizes that there might be a fully grown dragon yeah. guarding the yeah. stone in gringotts we know there are fully grown dragons yeah. guarding things is this a standard security protocol it's clearly not it feels like someone worthy of it should get the stone yes it's like a quest anyone yeah. could have undergone it yeah. and if you had all of these except characteristics the quest, you deserve to take the stone yeah, kind except of. the quest not, was not published open. anywhere <laughs> it was not open to everybody yes even finding that there's a quest is a quest yes <laughs> when harmony coolly understands what the puzzle meant and she figures out what they should drink to go through the fire she points it out to harry and harry is like get back and get ron grab brooms from the flying key room they'll get you out of the trap door and past fluffy go straight to the owlery and send hedwig to dumbledore we need him i might be able to hold snape off for a while but i'm no match for him really it was kind of ridiculous when harry said that he can hold snape for a while yes <laughs> severely underestimating snape yeah i know the task in front of hermione is also hard yes she's yeah. figured out how to contact dumbledore not that oh. just like going past fluffy again yeah. and dragging around ron to do all this when harry says i cannot hold off snape for long <laughs> was he talking in days <laughs> the ministry of magic is in london hogwarts is in scotland hey maybe the owls don't take that long to deliver we don't know how long owls take to de- accomplish their deliveries but still but maybe owls are also magical they maybe owls also take like the flu or something <laughs> yeah they just come instantly A wormhole in the sky that yeah. takes them from place to place. 
there's no indication that harry knows that the next step is going to be the end the end so maybe that's what he meant i also realized it's not there are seven trials seven is a magic number yeah fluffy the snare, snare the troll keys keys chess potions and, and the last one yeah and seven potions seven potions yeah i don't know how to make of it neither this is where we know why harry is the hero or why harry is the primary gryffindor <laughs> he's so blindly brave that he's ready to walk through fire to face the unknown and there is a very real possibility that he'll die yeah and this is harry potter's redeeming quality and it's very brave of him to not say you go yeah because you are clearly a better yes you know more of these things which, yeah. yes he doesn't say any of that he says i will go because he's a hero it's my duty yes <laughs> one of my favorite hamayni quotes is from this particular chapter me books and cleverness there are more important things friendship and bravery yeah she articulates what we've been trying to guess yes the whole book and when he does get these qualities from these two yeah we are at the end there's yes. only one more episode for this book and uh, i can't believe we made it here yeah i am so glad that these two chapters were much better than the previous chapters we discussed where we basically spend the whole thing whole time complaining yeah not good not good not <laughs> and i know that it's only going to get better that brings us to the end of today's episode if you'd like to discuss it drop a comment on our website mumblewumble.in You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be talking about Harry meeting a man with two faces. That's chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. <laughs> Until then, are you ghouly or ghosty or we student beastie?